Everybody ready? Let's go on the road! Acquiring targets. We're looking for, uh... Tillerman Road. I'll get you there. Getting back. That's your concern. This is awesome. No way. Lock them in. The lambs have come to the killing floor. Something weird is going on. What is that thing? Welcome to Movies Charles Hadn't Seen, episode 42. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2012 movie, The Cabin in the Woods. So, Charles, tell us about Cabin. I'm actually okay. looking forward to this summary. Let's <laughs> see where this goes. Okay. I mean, I thought it was fairly straightforward. Almost. Okay, good. Then right? I mean, please so... Explain. Please. Five <laughs> college students go out to a cabin in the woods to, to hang out. Uh, when they start being attacked by a family of zombie rednecks. And at the same time as we're watching this all unfold, we see the control room who seem to be operating this cabin and this like kind of cliche horror film and try to make sure it unfolds as cliche as possible. <clears throat> Turns out that they're engaging in some sort of regular ritual that we've been doing for a very long time to appease these ancient gods and you have to sacrifice these archetypes of people in a very specific order or else the gods will pop up and destroy the world. But two of the college students manage to survive and break into the facility and they ruin everything. They let out all these like generic horror film archetypes all over and they kill everyone. Uh, and they just say screw it in the end and let the ritual not happen. And uh, it ends with the gods' fist rising out of the earth. Presumably the earth is screwed. Yep. Is, <laughs> yep. And then the apocalypse happens. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was your pick, Craftsman. Uh, you stole it from me. I was planning on, on using this one. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I'll, I have another one in mind. Okay. Uh, so wh why did you land on uh, Cabin in the Woods? Well, I actually chose my two movies in order on purpose, I think. We needed to watch like a slasher yes. film before we watched Cabin in the Woods. Um, Cabin in the Woods does a good job of being really funny and sort of like taking all these classic horror tropes and repurposing them into this like meta but not meta story yeah. about horror film. Also, is like an interesting critique of like the sort of like torture porn style of film where it's like. These are very predictable. We need to move beyond these type of movies. And it's funny. It's a it funny, funny film. It also has some like good scares. Yeah, I love uh, Lots of good references. Like yeah. Sigourney Weaver pops up too. Right at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can go from there. But I, I think it's a great film. I, I really enjoy watching yeah, this I, film. Yeah, I've seen it yeah. a couple times. I think that this might actually just be my second viewing, but I've seen it before. Um, and yeah, it's just a hoot. It's fun. I think it works better if you've seen a few more horror films, which we have now, um, so you can kind of contextualize it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, so, Charles, did you find this one more funny or scary? Uh, I would call it a mixture, but the scariness for me was more not knowing like what level of gore they were willing to do in this movie. Okay. Right? So there's always this... like. <laughs> concern I had that maybe they would do some kind of gory scene that would bother me. They didn't. Not really. But I don't know beforehand where they're going to go with that, right? So that's like the scariest thing for me in, in horror films is not knowing how far a movie is willing to go gore-wise. Um, so the whole movie I was wondering where they were going to go. And of course you have the very obviously telegraphed jump scares and even if I know they're coming I can't help but like kind of brace myself for them <laughs> they were done pretty well here I, like yeah I yeah. thought the basement there's a lot of tension in the basement scene when yeah. they discover the basement and they're yeah. like they're like toying with all the objects that are in the basement right which will lead to their demise yeah um, I, I thought the film like so competently like builds up like horror tension right especially like, if you've never seen the film before and which thing they're going to choose yeah. i also speaking of that scene yeah. there, there is one moment where the pothead character marty marty i i could not tell you a single character <laughs> name in this film the blonde girl's named jules chris hemsworth is chris hemsworth <laughs> um, after that i don't yeah. know marty you're correct it, it is, is, I know is it was, marty and it was an m name anyway but there's a moment in that 
sequence where he's examining film, which I had not noticed on my prior viewing, which I thought was appropriate, right? Because that's quite literally what <laughs> Joss Whedon is doing when he wrote this movie. And he's the first one yeah. to kind of get it, that there's right. like he's, something he's going on. It, right, yeah. But he's also like meant to critique these sort of like the, the odd theories that you yeah. get when you're high. <laughs> yes, because yeah. he is. Uh, yeah. High and coming up with that. Theory. Yeah, because he's right. like a nobody, classic. Like, nobody listens to him because they're like, "Oh, he's just high." Right. But it turns out the weed is magical and makes him immune <laughs> yeah. to the mind control gas. I love that throwaway <laughs> line. It's like, yeah, that's what it was. Um, and I, I think that's appropriate too, right? Because like genre and horror are the purview of you know to some degree nerdy potheads, right? Like these <laughs> are the people who consume yeah. these films. So of course he's the one that you know, figures it out and, like, sees all the themes and, like, how it's structured. Um, and I think that, that that was cute. And then that they, they top it off with, yes, it's because he was smoking pot that he was able to piece all this together. <laughs> That's not just a coincidence. It's the reason. I, I think the film was also a funny critique of, like, corporate culture in, like, sure. a very office space kind of way that, like, the... You can have this, like, very blasé attitude at work even if you have this, like, monstrous job. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if you're doing something important, if you're doing something... Yeah, which I'm sure is the same, yeah. like, if you work at, you know, a defense company or... Yep. Yeah, or... <laughs> I mean, pick it at any... any job, if you work at Enron, it's, right? It's, you yeah, know. any yeah, job yeah. where you handle a lot yeah. of money, where you handle people's lives, you know, like, look at... Um, I think you see this in doctor shows a lot, where you'll, you'll see, like, <laughs> doctors that are, like, cracking wise about somebody dying or whatever, <laughs> because, like, that's what they need to do to, like... Not yeah, get, get through the depressed. horror of their day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah, well, I guess you get desensitized to it if you're doing it every day. Right. There's some to of that. Some degree, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that is it, it's played like to an extreme here. Uh, yeah. They're so casual. I mean, they have that little conversation where the the lady is like, "Oh, you know, you get used to it over time." The right. security guard's like, "But should you?" <laughs> right. Which is a little on the nose. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like that. That's what's going on. Um, I like. Uh, Bradley Whitford a lot in this movie. Like I think he's a funny dude. He's um, one of the two. Yeah, he's the he's the one that was in the West Wing. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's that one. He's one of the two uh, operators. Sunglasses one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's kind of the older one, and then like the one that's a little less older. Yeah, yeah. the one that's a little less older. Yeah, easier. Yeah. But yeah, he was in the West Wing. Okay. Um, he's also in uh, Get Out. Came out this year. Um, so I think he might like horror movies because now he's done two like pretty, mm. you know. Yeah, he was the dad in Get Out, right? right or yeah. the girlfriend's dad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was him. So, Charles, did you like this film? I feel like I've heard a lot of hype about this film uh, coming into it because, like, you guys spoke really highly of it, but I always see it at the top of Reddit discussions of, like, yes. great movies and all that, right? But I feel like it didn't really live up to that hype. I don't think I liked it all that much. Uh, like, I enjoyed it. I appreciated some aspects of it, but I don't think I liked it as a whole. Um, I'm less of a horror movie watcher, so I can't appreciate as much of the meta commentary just because I'm not into that, you know, genre. Um, so, you know, if someone did the same thing for sci-fi, I'd probably be all over that. Um, <laughs> you've seen Spaceballs, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's the closest to that that I can think of. Yeah, like sci-fi doesn't get, oh, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Yeah. That's a good movie. I saw that a very long time ago. That was fun. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. There's, um, a, there's like an English sci-fi comedy show too. Uh, Spaced? No. I'm thinking okay. of a different one. Where this guy like, gets lost out in space for a long period of time. Uh, lost in space? Science Theater? Uh, there's that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. Let me... I'll, uh, now I'm afraid of like touching my computer. <laughs> already screwed up tonight okay no that's fine uh, no, i hear you and i feel like we've hit this point several times over this series uh where yeah. you're just like not that into horror if it were sci-fi you'd like it more which is it's always how it's gonna be like before yeah. before this horror series literally the only horror film i'd seen was alien okay and so there's no mystery as to why i was curious to see that one right yeah well and we'd watched a couple before the series but uh yeah, yeah I, I, I hear your point. Um, yeah, and you're so, right. Th this is frequently at the top of Reddit lists about, like, what movie has a great twist? Or what movie yeah. is a horror movie if you're not that into horror movies? Which doesn't make any sense. I don't know why that, it gets uploaded for that. But Wait, um, What movie, yeah. horror movie what? If you're not that into horror oh, okay. movies. Which is, like, this is a bad answer yeah, to no, that question. What? This, this is no. for people who are into horror movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
It's actually way better if you are way into horror movies. Right, I'm sure that, because I'm yeah. like medium, and yeah. I'm sure, I still like it, I like this movie, um, but I'm sure I would have gotten more out of it if it were like... Yeah, like I saw a video down. that showed all the references that were in the, like, all the different horror movie the tropes yeah. that were locked away. There's got to be hundreds, come out, right? right? There were tons. This is like yeah. a 10 minute long video just highlighting every single one that came up, right. and I thought that was pretty cool, um, but like, it doesn't get that same, like reaction from me because i'm not deeply into the horror genre as right. much I, I like the one where the the unicorn shows up and stamps yeah <laughs> that was a bit out of nowhere the unicorn kill i don't know what that's supposed to be referencing but that i think it's just cracks supposed me to be ridiculous right yeah. the unicorn's always like the like happy and right. noble beasts that wouldn't harm anyone or whatever right yeah so I, that one cracks there's, me there's up. like an offhand comment that the beasts are like from the old world or something. Oh, is that what's supposed and, to be happening? Okay. Yeah. That makes so, sense. So I think they just like threw the unicorn into like... <laughs> he was another old world sure. beast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because there is this idea about like this pagan ritual that they're doing and whether or not it's, it's like, real and... Protecting the, I think that was another yeah, problem yeah. I had with this movie um, is like they use that as kind of the metaphor of the movie, I guess. The like ritual sacrifice for the gods right that ends up being real and i thought that was just a little too ridiculous for me to like it <laughs> i understand that it's supposed to be ridiculous i get that okay good it's just i don't like the ridiculousness of it in the first place okay and so, that's just like how i am i guess right because the big metaphor is that the old gods are the audience yeah right like that's what is going on here yeah like what's happening in the movie is to appease us, us. as an audience right and yeah and i can see that but like you know like when the audience blood. doesn't like a movie you just don't see the movie like right I, I mean but i think that one of the things i like about this movie is that it is so specific to horror and so specifically commenting on the way we consume horror movies mm -hmm. you know as a genre yeah, uh, and like it plays to the bloodlust of the audience. Right, right, exactly. Right. And right. you're, you know, uh, uh, Sweet Innocent Lamb and don't feel that bloodlust. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this movie is for people that, or at least speaking about people that do. Um, and in that sense, uh, I think it is successful, uh, interesting. Right. I just, I feel like there's ways to do this sort of parallel or message um, without this storyline. I guess well, sure. I just yeah. don't find the like ancient ones trope to be that interesting. I guess I just feel bored hearing about it, uh, especially finding out that it's actually real. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> that's, that's the best dumb. part. <laughs> I don't think um, it's a, that's not like a trope though. You mean well, like it's more the of a, like plot line, the, yeah, the genre, the, the type of story that they yeah. have. Like, I mean, there's other stories that use ancient <clears throat> ones or old gods or that kind of thing. That's what I mean. Yeah, um, but like. When I was watching this, it reminded me of Black Mirror because Black Mirror does a lot of like social commentary sort of stuff like this. Yeah. Um, there was like a horror episode, but they tackled horror a different way than this movie did. But what it reminded me most of was probably the White Bear episode where they're like torturing someone who had committed a crime by putting her through her crime or not putting her through her crime, but like putting her through like this really terrifying uh, course and like they let the public watch her go through this over and over and they wipe her memory every time and make okay. her do it over and over again right and that, it's supposed to be a representation a of episode. that's stolen directly from a twilight zone episode is it yeah but yeah it's it's supposed to be a representation of the public bloodlust and their lust for justice um at any cost no matter how inhumane it might be um you know something like that um but you know it felt a little more grounded in reality even though it was still a little ridiculous um, and so it felt like, you know, a closer commentary, I guess. In yeah. the Twilight Zone episode, the main character has, like, amnesia. Yeah. He's, he's on a, a ship in 1932 or 1933, and the ship gets attacked by a U-boat. And right before the ship is attacked, he sees himself on the U-boat, and it turns out <laughs> he's the U-boat captain, and he's been condemned to, like, live out as his victims forever <laughs> yeah and he, okay. like at the end of the episode after dying he like wakes up at the point in the beginning okay has oh, somebody that, else that's on pretty the... cool. okay that's, that's no no it's he's him he's always him okay. he's always like replaying out the night got it got it okay forever 
cute. So yeah, so like, the Black Mirror episode is different while. because this whole thing has become a big attraction for people to come and watch and enjoy. Right, right. And that's a different angle. And I think closer to what this movie is doing. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's why... Yeah. Re- this is like a media critique. Right, yeah. right. Well, yeah, media critique and audience critique uh, more precisely. But it's also really affectionate, right? Like, th- this movie is clearly directed and written by and probably starring people that really love horror, mm-hmm. right? Like, they, you don't insert all of these, you know, probably hundreds of references. You don't play act this whole, like, horror parody thing if you're not uh, a little bit at least affectionate towards oh, the genre. Um, and I think that's another thing I like about it. I, even, even again, as someone who is not doesn't identify as a horror fan, per se, um, it's just fun to see someone so enthusiastic about the thing that they're making um, and the thing that they're representing. And I think that's what I like about this movie, is that it's just so so much a product of a fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the ultimate wake at the end is having Sigourney Weaver yeah. appear as, like, sort of the matriarch of these films. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. yeah, you know, begins with Alien, and, you know, and this is where we moment. are. Yeah. 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 I yeah. like that um, moment. I wrote yeah. Sigourney Weaver, exclamation mark, question mark, in all caps in my notebook. <laughs> yeah. that there you go. And yes, indeed it was. Yeah, yeah. question <laughs> answer. <laughs> Uh, what um, do we think of the uh, the kids, right? Like the performances there. It's some people that went on to have you know relatively big names with Jesse Williams and Chris Hemsworth. Um, I've seen the dude, Jesse Williams, the black guy with the glasses. What has he been in? Um, he was in a TV show. He has made. Uh, he's been something of a social media presence. He's a, he's a okay. Twitter guy. Uh, I don't recognize any of them except Chris Hemsworth. Except Thor, yeah. And this was pre-Thor. Yeah, he stands okay. out. Yes, yeah. he does. And I think that yeah. you can see, because it took a little while for audiences and filmmakers to recognize that Chris Hemsworth is hilarious. And <laughs> I think that you see some of that here. Um, I think you see some of it in the first Thor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they capitalize on it in Ghostbusters. Um, but yeah. it's it's here too. The dude's just funny. And like mm-hmm. you don't notice it because he's so good looking. <laughs> but he's really funny. Lots of good like, physical comedy too. Yeah. Like the interaction between him and the zombies is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the horrific at times. But right. Yeah, yeah. He's, and it's just like how he can really ham up like all the meathead jock lines that he yeah. gets um, <laughs> to, right before he dies. Yeah, like I, he's just a, a funny dude. Like I, I'm glad that we recognize that eventually. Um, like I love that moment in Thor when he gets the coffee. Like he's never had coffee. I'll have another. <laughs> and he, he drinks the coffee and he's like, "Oh, that was good." Smashes it on the ground. I'll have another. Artist in the coffee. That's funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he delivers it in his you know big Thor voice. That's a reference to how Romans would drink. You, Did they smash their cups on the floor? They would uh, at a celebration. So you you get like a silex with alcohol in it and you okay. drink it, and then it would be common to throw it into the corner of the room. Oh, okay. Why? And, um, it's part of the reason that we find a lot that most of them smashed because <laughs> they were <laughs> they were thrown and smashed and discarded. And it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, why would they do that? It's cathartic. Yeah, I guess there's probably. Something I mean, they satisfying. They threw down in their festivals. They had like the big orgies and stuff. Months right? and months long festivals. You'd think they would want to preserve their cups then. <laughs> I mean, it was a vibrant industry. They just make more, to, evidently. To make yeah, they, they, these they, they, they give people jobs. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Making cups. Cup creators. Or job creators. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, but he, yeah, he's great in this. Yeah, he's film. great. Um, I forget the guy that, that plays Marty, but he was good too. As like, the stoner? Yeah. The guy that's like a He was also good at like hamming it up as like stoner guy from horror film. Like, I don't know if you've seen. Um, I know what you did last summer. Yeah. That yeah. is like Jack Black plays that role in that film. And there's there's always like a stoner guy in these films. Yeah. Especially in like the 2000s like horror movies. Yeah. When the movie yeah. was getting started, I was like, these guys look exactly like the Scooby-Doo crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is kind of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Because he could definitely be shaggy and live action Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Movie. I mean, he's got the look because there's only one stoner hairdo, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he is also in the another Joss Whedon pro- production, uh, Dollhouse. Uh, it was a show that was on Fox for like three years and wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he is like the tech guy and basically plays the same character, just replace, you know, nothing with tech. And he is uh, he is that. <laughs> um, I also like that he gets that moment at the end where the zombie is going to kill the 
redheaded girl, and he beats the zombie he with, got his, his bong with his giant cup bong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is extremely durably well built. I guess. Yeah, like yeah. that thing is is uh, well constructed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No I think he has one of the better lines at the end of the movie too when they're cornered by like one of the security guards and the zombie hand like gets the security <laughs> or distracts the security guard and yeah. they're, they're able to like get away from him and he's like thanks zombie hand as they're like running out <laughs> and the I hand is very funny said, yeah. so I rewinded it three yeah. times and then turned on the yeah. subtitles yeah. and he says good work zombie arm yeah you got there that was a good line yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean he has he has a lot of them um and then the uh, uh, the virginal girl, Dana? Was I think that's her name. Like, it sounds right. Like that. It sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Um, it was fine. Right? Like, she was good. Yeah, she's kind of, like, dubbish. But she, at the end, she's able to, like, she has a lot more, like, agency. Right. It seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like that's not what this movie's about, right? Like the 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 premise is almost to play the stereotypical <clears throat> horror film survivor role, right? So she's kind of flat and the like, last girl, right? Like there's a name for the trope. Things, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But that, I mean, this movie is about them not having agency, right? Like that's that's the whole idea, right? Yeah. Like they pipe in all these chemicals, yeah, uh, to make it them feel certain they ways. They said like, oh, you know, they have to express their free will in this situation and choose how they're right. going to die or whatever. They have to, you know, go in even if we warn them not to. Right. And then it shows them like adjusting everything to coerce them into these terrible situations. Right. And, and I think that that is one of the central critiques of the film too, because the idea that they are receive they're, you know, getting killed and suffering out of punishment. And I think that that is a, an excuse that a lot of horror fans make for yeah. why they're enjoying what they're enjoying when they're not, interested in critiquing the movie that much um and this movie is or like it's okay that they're dying because they're bad people because there was something that they did to deserve it yeah. right and i think that this movie is kind of drawing a bead on that because this idea that they don't really have any kind of free will in this scenario is absurd right they don't yeah right uh, so like that they're they're choosing to they're choosing the particular enemy that they're landing on at this in this scenario, yeah, but they have no awareness of what's going on. Right, they're like not they're really not choosing. They're not choosing anything. It's just a big RNG. It's like they're playing a big game of betrayal at <clears> the house in the hill. Exactly. Although the, uh, even more than that, they don't know they're in a game. Right. Like yeah. they, don't, they don't know that there's some horrible thing that's going to happen. Yeah, it's kind of like horror movie, like Calvinism. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Calvinism is like <laughs> where if something happens to you, you deserved it for something that happened in the past, either right. good or bad. Right. Like you've done something such that good or bad things happen to you. Yeah, and well, in Calvinism, it gets yeah. even odder because part of Calvinism is that everybody is, at birth, decided whether they're saved or not. And there's not much that you can do after that point. Yeah. Um, so even more to that, to that idea, right? Because these people are essentially doomed as soon as they decide to, as soon as they've been picked out by this mysterious organization. Um, this mysterious religious organization. Right, yeah, yeah, right. even so, more so. Yeah. Um, they don't even really choose to go out to this thing, right? Because right. at the end, she's like, "Wait, I don't think he even had a cousin." <laughs> doesn't even have a cousin. Yeah, and, and and that's just it. Like they they just weren't saved, right? And everybody else was. Yeah. Um, the other that reminded me of the other Chris Hemsworth moment that I like, where they're like they bar the door and the zombies outside. He's like, "All right, we got to play this smart." Stick together. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody in, one in the office is like, "God damn it!" <laughs> like, we need to split up to cover more ground in this like, cabin that they barricaded. <laughs> it just makes no sense. Yeah. Um, that that cracked me up <laughs> to cover more ground. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a, a funny movie too. Um, what do we think about uh, some of the messaging at the end? Right, because I think that that's really where the, this movie is driving home its its points. I think, I mean, ultimately, I think what the movie is trying to say is that, like, if you are writing a horror story, or if you're thinking about like new horror films, you like you need to move beyond this, because like this, what the movie is saying is that like this is done. This is not like how horror should be done from here on out. Yeah, and now you're free to do whatever. So I think that's ultimately what the movie's like trying to say is right. that like 
It's like a very writerly message where it's like, Cause they, cause they stop the doing this, please. They right. let the yeah. ritual fail and destroy the world. Yeah. It's right. like the best version of this has already been made. Yeah. You don't need to do this anymore. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. 40 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's the clear takeaway here. Uh, and I think it's, you know, prescient in a lot of ways because uh, in a sense that's what happened. Right, like we are seeing more intelligent horror movies now. We're seeing more thoughtful and original horror movies now. Yeah, I think we're. I mean, there's still like Saw remakes being made. Well, sure, and there's, there's still you know. You want to want to go see Jigsaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, pick a genre; they're going to have bad examples. But I think that horror, in particular, has improved substantially in recent years. Yeah, um, and I think we spoke about this last episode. Yeah, but it was like some of the best movies being made are horror movies right now. Get Out mm-hmm. is. Incredible film last year. So. This year, this year. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, yeah, and feels like last year now. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was, well, it was the spring, which is basically yeah. forever ago. It's, in, it's been a long in, year in cinema talk. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think that you know, Joss Whedon was really hit the nail on the head. Right. Like he diagnosed a problem, and then people actually fixed it, in a sense, or at least addressed it. Yeah, I think. I think we got it out of our system, hopefully. <laughs> like, right, well, and it's interesting that he's not just yeah. pointing the finger at his colleagues, right? Like, he's not just saying writers need to be, filmmakers need to be doing better. He's saying that yeah. audiences need to be demanding something else, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, the yeah. conceit of the film at, with the, the old gods as audience, which I think is, there's no other way to read that, yeah. um, the, is that we are asking for this formula over and over and over again mm-hmm. every year and receiving it over and over and over again every year. Um, because they showed the other countries and they right. fail because right. the gods want a very specific thing to happen. Right, and they, they didn't get it. Um, and so I think that part of his point is that we <laughs> need to be asking more of ourselves and more of our fellow moviegoers um, that yes, there is, there is something more substantial that we can get out of film. Oh. Also, was the Stockholm one a thing reference? It was totally a thing reference, right? Probably. It was which one? Because the, there was, was a. They showed some of the failed uh, operations or rituals from the other countries, and one of them was Stockholm, and it looked like a destroyed winter base yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was. I didn't uh, pick up on that. But, yeah, but yeah. then then there's the. It really goes by really fast. Yeah. The the Japanese one was, was funny because they're making yeah. fun of ghosts. Movies, which is like, there's so many Japanese horror movies about ghosts. Yeah. Right, the girl looks yeah. just like the girl from The Ring, or yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, I love that. Yeah. The last scene where they actually like have all the little Japanese schoolgirls singing a song and turning her into a happy into a frog. frog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, if you look the at the, I, weird. I looked in the credits, and um, the ghost girl is credited as Happy Frog Girl <laughs> in, <laughs> at the end of the movie, which uh, which made me laugh. Um, so yeah, I think that it's it's not just ex- obviously not just exclusive to American horror movies. Wait, did yeah. that happen in the Ring? Does does the ghost girl get turned into a frog in those? I haven't seen the original Ring. I haven't seen the Japanese one. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't happen at the end of the Ring. Okay, if I recall correctly. Okay. There you go. You have to we'll have to watch. So it's it just a weird little thing they added here to be hilarious, it, and it worked. I think the Ring does not work out at the end for <laughs> for our main character. I guess that's why it's a that. successful ritual yeah. in the past. Yeah, and why they can uh you know make a make a sequel. All, yeah. all the little creature references, which I think you spoke to earlier, are also reference. It, it's like Joss Whedon is saying, like, look, it's been done this way so many times, and then you, you see it in every, like, little thing. Like, mm-hmm. there's references to, like, an- Anaconda. And <laughs> yeah, that's a gigantic, badly CGI snake. <laughs> yep. Uh, all the zombie films, the different types of zombie films. Uh there's right. They had the Merman. joke about zombies being different from <laughs> zombie redneck torture family. <laughs> right, yeah. totally different category. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's there's like a Hellraiser reference too, where the guy with saw blades yeah. in his yeah. face. Yeah, and then yeah. like they have the close up on the little ball yeah. or whatever that was in the basement as well. Like that could have been one of the guys. Yeah. Because Chris Hemsworth was playing with it. Right. Almost got there. Right. Almost chose it of his own free will. Yeah. The Hellraiser character has a really funny name. Um, That's oh yeah, I've heard this before, and I haven't seen Hellraiser, so I don't know what it is. But is it Razor with a Z, like, <laughs> or is it with no, a Z raising hell? Raising, raising hell. Okay, I guess it's kind of a pun because he has like a razor all over his uh, face. Yeah, <laughs> they're like needles, I think. 
Oh yeah, you're right. Or nails. Or yeah, something, something like something that. Something pointy and sharp. Either either one would have worked. Um, Ooh, werewolf and merman are played by the same person. Well, look at that. He's just got to put on a suit. A double threat. There's two dismemberment goblins. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, here it is. So it's Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. <laughs> Fornicus. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Which plays well into the the, the Hellraiser thematics. Yeah. Well, and how this movie is, at least to some degree, critiquing the punish the slut uh, tropes that show up in yeah. horror movies. Right. Yeah, I think they do a good job of saying that, like. This is silly. Stop doing this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sexuality shouldn't be something that's punished. Yeah. Like, and, and it's it's also go for it. Okay. I was going to point out that it's important. I think that the virgin, the girl that they're referring to as a virgin all the time, yeah. isn't a virgin. Yeah. Right. Like every time she's referred to that way, she's like, actually, I have had sex before. Yeah. And well, like, they work with what they got, right? Right. They work with what they got, um, and that the point of you know this punish the slut trope. Is is not so much about actually, you know, deifying virginity, although it does do that in a roundabout way, but really just about punishing women that are overtly owning their sexuality. Yeah, and that that that's the real transgression. Um, and they've underlined that by saying, if as long as you hide your lack of virginity, it's okay. As long as you don't look like someone mm. who has has had sex before, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> and the cheerleader implied cheerleader and the right. jock like they don't actually want to like do it out in the woods it's the right. like pheromones that like kind of push them over the edge <clears throat> right and, and like alcohol yeah. right so even that it's like these characters don't even really want to do this they're just doing it like for yeah. your amusement right and they yeah. and they point that same, like he's not a dumb jock right he like has that bit at the beginning where he's telling what's her name to yeah. read this other textbook if she wants to get ahead in this class because he knows all this shit about the professor because he took the class before he's on yeah. a full yeah. academic scholarship as straight a's like <laughs> they make all these points and yeah but they're all like drugged or something to be more stereotypical right yeah. so like the their like inhibitions are lowered their inhibitions yeah. are lowered and like their personality is stunted and i think that that again is part of the point that that Whedon is making here that when we're, we're asked to just like fill in these categories in every horror movie, mm -hmm. like it, it limits your characters so much, right? Like there's only so much that you can write and so much that you can depict on screen yeah. and so little complexity that you can dramatize that we end up with just bad movies, right? <laughs> Uninteresting movies. Yeah. And it, I think again, it's, it, it's not being quiet about it, not being subtle about it, but it's a point worth making. Yeah, even the stoner guy, he's, like, actually very smart and, like, capable. Yeah. He has, like, clearly has, like, an electrical engineering degree or something. Right. Well, he's, like, he, disassembling the elevator at the end. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah. 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 Well, and he hotwires the elevator. He yeah. figures it out, right? Like, he's yeah. the one that actually does it. Yeah. Um, it also avoids, um, curiously, the black guy dies first trope, um, which I am not sure what to do with because I remember when I first... Well, it sort of happens to the scientist people. Security yeah. guy dies first. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Um, which is, of course, a, a racist idea. Like a, yeah. it, it plays on this notion of black masculinity as something that is like feral and superior. So that if you can kill the black guys so early and so easily, the threat becomes greater to everybody else. And it's just yeah. objectifying black men and using black bodies to mm -hmm. create tension for white persons. Um, <clears throat> but yes, you're right. It does play out there. <laughs> so that's uh, that is important. Yeah, I'm Get Out explores that much, well, much yeah, better, like obviously. what it's about, yeah. right? <laughs> that, that yeah. is Get Out. Yeah. Um, and we've asked before, you didn't see it. I did this not get you. around to seeing it. Okay. Um, it's available on uh, streaming services now, so you could see it. Um, Although I was told that it's like actually scary and way scarier than Cabin in the Woods was, and so I'm like a little worried. I mean, Cabin in the Woods is not scary. Like I, I, I think it has it's, its moments, but yeah, here and there. But like, I don't think that that's really. I think the, the point. second time around, it's a lot funnier. Yes, that's true. I'm, I, I think I laughed more this time, and I think that I definitely did. Yeah. I think you're spending less time trying to figure out what's going on, so you can notice more of the jokes. Yeah, um, that, I mean, so, was that, that your experience? Like, yeah, yeah. How much of watching this movie do you was like trying to piece together what exactly is happening? 
It was some of it. I had like I was trying to run through theories of what could be happening, and I don't remember exactly what my theories were. But it's like you know, is this like a reality show? Yeah. Are we gonna actually see the people die on screen? <laughs> uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, I think I remember having that same thought when I watched it. I was like, okay, so because the, the character actually says that I'm in a reality show when, yeah. he, when he finds the microphone. Yeah. Well, um, when he said that, I'm like, oh, maybe it isn't then. <laughs> yeah. We, well, it's not, and someone had already died. Yes, Possibly. someone had died on <laughs> screen. Point. You yeah. see her head. Yeah. Like, okay, I guess they're not fake dying. Now. <laughs> not, yeah, they aren't just being. <laughs> this probably isn't itself. some sort of psychological study. Right, right. Um, I think the scary moment, or the jump scare that got me the best was when they're in the elevator um, at like, and they're being shown all the various critters. And like right before that, there's just like a blank window and it's mm-hmm. like cloudy and, you, and dark and you can't see what's in there. And like they play up that tension really well. Where she's just like looking at the window, and you know something is going to show up. But yeah. You don't know when, and you don't know what it is. Um, so that moment, I think, worked really well. They keep doing that too. Like, yeah, it happens like three times where it's just like they're just waiting for something to be in right, the next like cage. Some other crazy thing. The, yeah. the uh, ballerina girl with the teeth. This is the creepiest uh, like creature effect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. By far the creepiest creature effect. Yeah. I, I like that. Um, there's a shot of the ballerina girl. Um, from the control room, and you see her just like dancing for a while. She's just like doing ballerina shit. Yeah, um, yeah. that was that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that is referencing, but it is the video I watched said it references Guillermo del Toro's style. That's true. It does. Yeah, that's kind of a pan slapper kind of thing a little bit. I can see it. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like creepy, weird, like off realism style. Right. Right. That's like taking something innocent and making it. It's also just kind of like baroque, like sort of 18th century thing. Sure. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, which they're, is like all of Guillermo de Torres stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's very into that. Except yeah. Pacific Rim. Except Pacific Rim. Except Pacific Rim. <laughs> um, have you seen, you've seen Pants Labyrinth? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So yeah, I think have it was. Have you seen any of his other films like Kronos or I don't think so. Blade 2? No. <laughs> yeah. Blade one of them. Yeah. 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 Um, he's had, and what, he did a Crimson Peak recently. Um, he did. I loved Crimson Peak. Yeah. Like That's it was, like, it took me a little while to get to it, but um, yeah, it was, I liked it. I think it's a really good film, actually. Yeah. Is that the Victorian yeah, era with, movie yeah. in that house? Yeah, just Jessica Chastain's in it, who I think is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, just in general. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was good. Like, it was, yeah, it was kind of like, what if like a, you know, one of those like Harlequin romance novels was a horror film? <laughs> That's kind of what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Like I saw a few yeah. trailers for that and then it just kind of fell completely off the radar. I don't think it made any money. Um, I don't think that many people saw it. Yeah. Uh, which is, it, I mean, it, it, it's a weird movie now. And it was correctly marketed as a weird movie mm-hmm. um, as opposed to something like Mother, uh, which came out recently and was incorrectly marketed as a horror movie. Um, mm. It's just a weird movie. Um, I see. So, like, I, I bet that it has, that had much better audience feedback than. Than mother did because it identified its audience correctly, which mm-hmm. is, you know, pretty important when you're trying to sell something. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty sold on Del Toro now. I will yeah. go see anything that he makes. Yeah, uh, he has and some. He, oh, uh, Shape of Water is what's coming out next, which looks great. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've seen any of the ads for that one. I have. Yeah, um, and I actually didn't really like Cowboy films. I thought they like looked cool, but cool. it was just like. Nah, whatever. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never watched them. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the new one, Ship Water, looks excellent. I'm excited yes, it about does. it. Yeah, um, and it's tragic that he dropped out of like the Hobbit project because I think he, he was going to make the Hobbit. He was going to make the Hobbit, and it would have been perfect. It sounded like it would have been awesome. It would have been incredible. He's a better director than Peter Jackson. So. Much better, and it's <laughs> yeah. right up, right up his alley because there's two things that he does really well, like monster creature effects. Yep, and Stuff being underground is like his major, <laughs> major setting. Yeah, all all of his films are like very largely set underground, and The Hobbit would have been perfect for that. Well, and he's per- and he's good at like reimagining children's stories. Yeah, right. Because you look at Pan's Labyrinth, and it's like this, you know, matured version of a childhood story. Same thing with Crimson Peak. Like he he takes these ideas that, or at least these even Pacific images. Rim, which is like yeah, kind of yeah. like the days of when Godzilla was for kids. Yeah. Like, that's what Pacific Rim is. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And he just, like, up, updates it, but he, like, still keeps some of the ideas and and some of the imagery that were present in this text that's for young And he's people. great at world building, right? Yeah. Which is what you want with The Hobbit. 
Right. I mean, yeah. he, he's so. Good. I'm surprised he hasn't done more sequels. He's so good at, at world building like that. He hasn't wanted to return to some of these places that he's put together. Yeah, I think he's much more interested in just like new. Yeah, stuff. clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and which makes him kind of a great successor, a great, you know, post Cabin in the Woods director, right? Yeah. And that he's he is so devoted to original ideas, right? Yeah. That he's, he he wants to make a new movie, a new movie, a new movie mm-hmm. with new ideas. Um, as opposed to what we see in uh, horror throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s, yeah. where it's, this was successful, I'm going to make something that looks just like it, I'm going to make a sequel to it. Nightmare on Elm Street gets, you know, eight sequels. <laughs> and and uh, it, so I think that's a, a notion that this movie is critiquing and Del Toro is uh, not falling for that trap, or hasn't throughout his career. Yeah, I've seen an interview with him where he talks about the influence from his childhood in Mexico City where just as like a kid he would go and explore there's a lot of like very complex sewers underneath Mexico City and he would just kind of go underground and like explore them okay that's like been the overarching theme of his movies is like what's underground is scary and like what is it let's engage with well it's scary and fascinating yeah right so yeah it's it's not it's scary in this way that doesn't necessarily repel you enough yeah right because you're still drawn to it um and i think just based on the trailers of shape water i think you see that underground sewer influence because it's such a wet movie like it seems like everything is just kind of dripping um (laughs) and and, uh that that i don't know makes me excited for it Yeah. yeah it Hopefully it's great. I mean, I, I trust him at this point. And I trust Michael Shannon, right? Just one of those guys. I'll go see if, if he's in it. I'm sold. Yeah. Right. A few stinkers. One, Batman versus Superman. Well, a lot yes. of them. Yeah. But, yeah. but he was good in Batman versus Superman. No, he was good in Man of Steel. Or, was, yeah, he wasn't in Batman versus Superman. Oh, right. Yeah, there we yeah. go. <laughs> oh, you, see dead him, body in you see him in Batman. Dead. Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. God, fuck <laughs> that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and dead Michael Shannon was still better than most <laughs> characters on screen in Batman versus Superman. But I mean, that's just yeah. it. He's one of those guys that's like the best part of uh, bad movies and often the best part of good movies. <laughs> when he's in yeah. Um, did you see uh, Revolutionary Road? Uh, which one was that? Sounds familiar. It's the uh, DiCaprio and Winslet. The first thing they did together after Titanic. Oh yeah, it was like, but it was a while after. Yeah, it was, it was like, like eight years later. Yeah, nine something, years like later something like that. And it's this period drama about like a marriage that's falling apart in the '60s, and Michael Shannon is in one scene, and he just, and he, but he steals the show. He like plays this guy that's like a little bit off, that is like being taken care of as an adult by his uh, parents, and he like comes in and like visits visits this couple that like their marriage is falling apart and like they're trying to hide it from other, and he like everybody else, and he he like sees through it immediately. And he spends his whole scene like explaining to them why their marriage sucks and they, like it isn't Damn. working. And it, they just and it just like goes from there. And he steals the show. He's just excellent. Um. So yeah, Michael Shannon's great. He should be in every movie. He should be. Yep. He really should be. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, you said guy was a little off, and that reminded me of a funny theory I read on Reddit uh, about Cabin in the Woods. <clears throat> oh yeah, please let's bring um, bring it back home. <laughs> <laughs> um. But they. They talk about how, you know, you had the guy at the gas station, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but they have the phone call with him from Control, and he's, like, talking about all this creepy stuff, and they're always they're all making fun of him, and they have the hilarious, the like, speakerphone conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that led to, um, like, a, a sort of theory that the Control Room people also represent a sort of horror movie progression. Okay. Um, because they're like going about this task, and like all the other places are failing, and they get this me- message of like things are going wrong from this guy, but they just make fun of him and ignore it oh, and keep okay. going on with their thing. Cute. Yeah. And like in the end, they completely screw up, and the like the pothead guy doesn't die, and so their ritual fails. Right. Um, but they're completely unaware, and they just like celebrate through this, and then all the horrors get unleashed on them, and they all die. Um, and there was some other, like, more tenuous analysis that, like, <laughs> specific characters uh, in the control room fit these, like, ritual archetypes. Okay. Uh, I didn't buy that as much, but I thought it was interesting to see that the control room sort of follows that horror movie progression as right. well. Well, and I think you see different types of horror fans, right? Because there are people like the guy at the gas station who are, like, invested in a very sincere way. <laughs> to what's going on in horror movies and like 
the horror movies are like a path into studying the occult mm-hmm. or whatever. And there it's, are people. It's different levels of orthodoxy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, it has to be done this right, way. This way. And like, you have to like have the language of it, right? And right. he's like talking like he's actually in a horror movie and they're yeah. just making fun of it. And you have these people that, I don't know, I don't want to say more mature, but are like coming at it from a different, less serious angle and yeah. are really just in it for the blood and guts and like the joy of it, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and that, that, yeah, that's a good, that's a good read. I hadn't missed that or I hadn't caught that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Because <laughs> um, I think we all know fans like that, right? Like we all know someone who's like super invested in horror movies, um, for mm. instance, and just go overboard or are just kind of giddy about it. You yeah. Know, just like isn't, taking in as much like as like the big can. horror like fan website. I think it's called like Blood and Guts or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it is. There's something. some like horror movie fan website that's like that. And yeah. they like, they're those, it's one of those fan sites where it's like months out, they'll like have all these like insider details on like horror films that nobody's ever going to see. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's getting cut open yeah. in this one? Well, that's just it. like I, I kind of adore that level of like fandom, but right. like, there's also never like, sure that I can engage with engage with it on that level. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I love anything that much. Yeah, um, yeah. I just <laughs> so I don't know what that experience is like. Yeah, um, but uh, and, and there's also something kind of insidious about it, right? Like there's just this like drawing that much of yourself from the thing that you from the media that you consume is. I mean, that's how you end up being one of these Sichuan such people. (laughs) (laughs) That's a particularly nefarious. Right, that's an extreme example. Yeah, that's an extremely terrible example. But uh, (laughs) it's in the same continuum, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Same level of engagement. Yeah, maybe not same level, but same style. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So. Did you? What did you think of the film's humor, Charles? Like, was um, it funny? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was definitely really funny. Um, sometimes I maybe wasn't aware of it because I was too busy being worried about what was going to happen. <laughs> right. But there were definitely moments that were really funny. Um, I did talk to some people who thought that the humor made the movie completely not scary. And that wasn't the case for me because I think that's it, only the second time around, as I said. Yeah, it, it first time I saw this movie, I thought it was like kind of scary, and this time I thought it was like way funnier. Yeah, I think yeah. I had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say the yeah. humor was there and it was great, but it wasn't quite enough to distract me from the actual horror aspects of it that were happening. Now, it probably wouldn't happen the second time around since I already know, you know, like I said before, I was concerned about how gory it might get, and I already <laughs> know exactly how far it's going to get. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't too bad. Like it was either, you know light gore or extremely heavy gore right it's right. that little middle ground that bothers me <laughs> right like the people being torn apart by goblins it's like all right that yeah because that's not sure. plausible right like, yeah yeah um, <laughs> yeah no i i, I wonder because i've seen this movie twice now i've seen it once before now and, and this time um and I, this kind of feels like an exactly two viewings kind of movie hmm. right like i think that there is a category of movies that like the first viewing is like how you experience any movie the first time. Yeah. The second movie, the second viewing is completely different. And after that, there's just like not that much to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if this is that kind of movie. Like, how many times have you seen this cross? Seen it three times. This, okay, so you In can the, speak to this point. The first, <laughs> first time I saw it, though, was like a bootleg version. Okay. And it cut before we see the like God hand at the end. Oh, oh that's a drastically different experience. And it, uh, yeah, so it was like as the god is like rising up through the floor. Okay. That's where it like cut and ended. So you're not even sure if like that's where it's supposed to end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt, I remember thinking it was like. Was that right? Was that right? <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I, like, I remember rewinding <laughs> it and like trying to see like the detail there. <laughs> right. Because you briefly get a glimpse of like part of the god. Right. Yeah. And I was like. Well, that's uh, a weird cut. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Um, so but, but then I was able to rewatch it. Okay, so how? I don't, so you? This was like a second and a half viewing, really. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because like when I think of yeah. movies that stand up to exactly two viewings, the, I think the perfect example is Sixth Sense, right? That movie. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think it's a one viewing movie. Oh really? Like <laughs> yeah. You don't think the second viewing you get anything extra? Nothing at all. Okay. I have no interest in ever seeing the movie ever again. Okay, because I think that you can like point out like, oh, this is how they do the trick, so that they're not watching Bruce Willis or whatever, but not even that much. 
No. No? Okay. Have you seen Sixth Sense? I have not, but I've heard that you can rewatch it and find out that Bruce Willis doesn't actually interact with anyone or something like that. You don't, or wait, like, you don't know the thing? Well, I know the twist. Okay. I mean, yeah. How do you not have heard the twist? Right? It's like I don't second know. To, to Luke, I'm your father, right? Right. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I read that like if you rewatch it a second time, you realize that he doesn't actually interact right. with anyone. And I think there's like an interaction with his wife, and you interpret it one way the first time, but you can interpret it a different way the second time. Yes. Right, right. Which is what I. That's why I think of it as like a two viewing movie because you like can pick up on that stuff, and then afterwards just kind of not. I like those kinds thing. of things where you can rewatch it and unravel the twists and like you know see things have a second meaning uh, I really see because like I, I kind of mean this as a criticism because <laughs> like yeah. if your movie is standing up to exactly two viewings like I because w- when I think of like the movies that I love like I can watch them way more than twice and like get something new and something different out of them each time mm-hmm. and when I think about these movies that rest so heavily on their big conceit or their big twist at the end like that is a flaw to me that is mm-hmm. that is something that we should be watching out for like your your movie should be more interesting than the plot twist, right? right. Like you should have more going on than that. Um, and in that sense, like like I, all of M Night's career, like is <laughs> yeah, really. Like, well, the best movies much. can pull off the twist, but still have more substance beyond that. Right. right. Like I'm thinking of the Prestige right now. Yes. I believe that that's a good example. That one had the same thing where you can rewatch it a second time and see a second interpretation of scenes, but there's still a lot more substance beyond the plot twist. Right. Because yeah. the point of the Prestige is not the twist. Mm-hmm. Right, like it's it's neat and it works in the context of the film, but if there's no twist, if like if you know that's what's going on the whole time, for instance, like yeah. the movie still functions as a movie. Like you're still yeah. you're still invested in these characters. Yeah, um, and I think that's that's the difference. Like the this movie, I I like this movie. I like I like Cabin in the Woods. That said, these people like there's not a these aren't rich characters. They, these are right. stereotypes by design because that's what the movie's about. Yeah. But I think that it, it harms the film mm-hmm. on on subsequent viewings um, in a way that Prestige wouldn't, which I think is really one of Nolan's better films. I kind of wonder if there's a way around that. Like, one way is maybe you see more of them before they morph into these stereotypes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. And I, maybe I'm being too harsh on it. Like, I don't want it to sound like um, this is some huge fatal thing with the movie, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you do that with and still maintain the point that you're trying to make. This yeah. is a, a very didactic film in the sense that you know this is the lesson that it's teaching you. This is yeah. the message that it's getting across. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's something that should be fixed. So maybe we just take this movie for what it is and like appreciate it and enjoy it, um, which is basically where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that just because of what it's trying to be, it's never going to be as successful as something like like The Prestige, which I think sure. is really a good movie. That, that's true. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Glad. I mean, heard. it's just like a. I think it's a fairly like breezy film. Yeah. I mean, it's a like, crisp ninety-four minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Charles was telling me before we started recording that he had stayed up too late uh, last night to watch the movie and was like very glad to see that it was only yeah. An hour, it wasn't really an hour the thirty time. It was only an hour thirty. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh thank God. <laughs> I had a very. I mean, that's perfect horror film yeah. length. Right. Right. Yeah. Was, I mean, uh, that's almost yeah. a, a universal. Remember on Elm Street, also hour and a half. I think it, it was, was ninety-one. Ninety-one. Yeah. Yeah, almost yeah. exactly. That's why. Yeah. That's why they have the the thing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the dumb, just got to make it across <laughs> that finish line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I think I mean you see the genre get less bound in by that. Like the mother was pretty long, and uh, it follows was more than ninety minutes and stuff like that. So, like we're we're finding. That if you have more to say, and then if you're investing more in your characters, your movie's going to be a little longer, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as long as yeah. you're doing it for a reason. Um, so yeah, I don't want to be too hard on this movie because I really do like it. And I think it's good, and people should watch it. Uh, but it is also necessarily limited, just by what it's by design, what its goals are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it does a good job, like accomplishing those goals. I do too. Yes. Out. Yeah, it definitely gets Which, there. Um, I think it's a testament to like Whedon's like. TV experience, like he probably just like knows how to get into a story and get out in yep. the right amount mm-hmm. of time. Because like when you're limited to 24 minutes or 48 minutes, you got to be efficient to tell a story. You, uh, you got to get to it. Yeah, <laughs> you can see his Buffy work here. Yeah. I think um, the guy that actually directed it because we didn't direct it. I think he just wrote it. Um, but the guy that directed it uh, did a lot of Lost. 
<laughs> I checked. Mm. He has a lot of credits on episodes of Lost. Yeah. Uh, both as director and writer. Um, and Lost, so, Lost did a good job of sometimes like telling a small story in, those were in relationship episodes. to like its larger story. Yeah, like when I think of the moments in Lost that are really great and memorable, like that's when it's telling these isolated one-off stories. Yeah. Lost at its best. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think it's part of the issue with the Avengers, actually, that they're like so bloated and and long. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I'm just I'm. I'm he did that one too, right? He did Avengers and Age of Ultron. He did not do Civil War. Okay. Um, so he did those two. Um, and I'm just like invested at this point yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the MCU. Like I'll go. I remember reading that Whedon's signature touch um, is the kind of humor during serious moments. Yeah. That. I feel like has kind of ruined a lot of the superhero movies because they do it too much now. Okay. Uh, and it really started when he inserted into the Avengers uh, and everybody was like going wild over that. Now, <laughs> now they overdo it. Well, right? it feels like, like sort of 60s deal. Batman where you like mm -hmm. stop and look at the screen. Like, <laughs> you get it? Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. keep going. I, I, so it's hard to have these like funny moments in the film. Right. And there was humor uh, in Cabin of the Woods, but it didn't feel distracting like it can in the superhero movies, the way they're used. Yeah. Um, so I guess they executed it more effectively in this one so that it wasn't grating or annoying. Yeah. yeah. It was just funny. But I think my original point is just that the Avengers are just like too much. <laughs> <laughs> too many of them? Yeah, there's too many. I think the Onion article, there's an Onion article about this that sums it up perfectly where it's like, their film critic, Philip K. Rosenthal, um, <laughs> he points out objects on screen that could have been superheroes. <laughs> and, and at one point, it's like they show a mountain, and the mountain could have been just a giant pile of superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> my, I mean, my favorite yeah. bit from that guy, uh, The Onion, is when they were doing the Jurassic World in the Jurassic Park movie. Uh -huh. And he's like, Yeah, it could have been a really effective uh, action movie, except that there were no subtitles for the dinosaurs. The whole video is about that. Yeah. Like, uh, this could have worked. This would have been a really great scene if I knew what this yeah. dinosaur was talking about. <laughs> this is another really good one where he's, I think it's for Spider Man, where he's like oh very, God. he's very creepily talking about how sexy Spider Man yeah, is. I don't know. I love that onion absurdity. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. series is excellent. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I have, I think I've only ever seen that Jurassic Park one, but it, or Jurassic World, but um, it worked. It worked for me. Um, <laughs> uh, so any uh, any closing thoughts on Cabin in the Woods or? I think I've run through all the thoughts I've had okay. about this movie. Yeah, that's that's good. We yeah. want to be yeah. thorough. Yeah, yeah. them all out. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. I think this is a, a recommend for me. Um, I think it because I, I watched it having not seen that many horror movies, but like being aware of the tropes the first time I watched it. Um, and I think it still worked. Like I think it, you just need to watch like a handful to get it. Yeah, or yeah. even just like kind of be aware of them, right? Like yeah. as long as you know, I was aware enough of the tropes. <clears throat> That you know, yeah, I think it, it wasn't strange territory for me. I mean, yeah, you I always think, hear about them, always hear about like why do these idiots always split up? Why do these idiots always drop their weapons after uh, right. killing a beast or whatever? Right, and the answer is because that's what they've always done, or yeah. the other answer is because then the movie because that's function. what they're yeah. set yeah. up to it's do. An easy yeah, easy way to make the movie work, right? Yeah. Right, a cheap way, some might say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so even despite not having a you know rich horror backlog. Um, it, the movie still, I, I think, works for me and is coherent for me, and I think I can get enough of what it's talking about that it works. Um, so even if horror isn't necessarily your thing, I think this is still a good movie. I think we've established that horror is not Charles' thing. Right. <laughs> this is the, yeah, we have successfully yes. gotten to that point <laughs> in this series. So yeah. we got to do it one more time. One more time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to land on another one that's not really that scary. This will be the Halloween episode. So oh, yeah. It's a, it's a month of not too scary horror films right exactly yeah i'm trying to you know be nice okay um, i guess i appreciate that I think so, the shining was scary the shining is scary um yeah. yeah and yeah it is uh so this is probably the most recent film we've watched i want to do the witch hmm. um i think that it's a good follow-up to uh cabin in the woods in that it is kind of responsive to the critiques that joss whedon is making yeah. um that it's this you know headier more serious artsy kind of horror film um it's creepy as fuck 
It's creepy. Yeah, it's. Oh, great. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. So the stuff that's actually scary. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. I think it's. I think it's really complicated and rich and has a lot going on. There's got to be some sort of witch challenge where you like watch it on a laptop out in the woods by yourself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely about like creepy shit happening in the woods. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what's going on. Rent, rent like a ski cabin and go watch it <laughs> in the at, woods at the ski a cabin. cabin in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, I, I think it was added recently uh, okay. to Netflix, so audience, go, go check Netflix that out. Netflix finally has something. Yeah. Um, that will be the or this next one, which will be the conclusion of our Horror October series. Um, we've been talking about it offline a little bit about continuing the series format. Um, so we're looking for feedback. If you like the idea of us like having a theme, either based on a particular director, a particular actor, a genre, an era, anything like that, we want suggestions we want to know if this is something you want to hear more of or more of just the one-off episodes like we have been doing up until now um so let us know um i like this format i think that it gives us uh, the ability to form like a curriculum of sorts and create an, an arc um in the and the connecting tissue in the movies it's nice to be watching. able to have a conversation between movies right right and, and that, like, it, i think it's connecting and showing more of how this fits into the larger constellation of cinema and film um, in relation to to different movies, yeah, it's a little easier when you have some meta films in the category. Yes, but. <laughs> yeah, and the horror invites that because it's such a, an incestuous genre. Yeah, um, but even so, I think that we would be able to draw connections if we talk about a particular filmmaker or whatever. Definitely. Um, so if that's something you'd be interested in, if you've liked what we've been doing this past month, please let us know, um, and we'll give you more of it. We're we're and here. Give to suggestions of possible themes. Yes, absolutely. We want we want some ideas about what you like. Um, but until then, uh, join us next week for The Witch. Thanks for listening.